everybody. My name is Josh Bolin. I'm the creative arts pastor at Lakeside Church in Folsom, California. Thanks for joining us this week for our weekend message podcast. This week, we are continuing our series called Creed and Kingdom. It's the sixth week in our series, and this week the title is The Kingdom is Open. You can always go back and catch up on any messages you may have missed from this series in our podcast feed. Enjoy this message by our lead pastor, Brad Franklin. Father in heaven, thanks for loving us like you do, and Lord, thanks for little ones and older ones and all of us who form your church, We make up your church together. And Lord, we, we didn't deserve to come in, we didn't deserve to have your blessing, it was all poured out by your grace. And so today we're grateful for that. I'm grateful for your grace in my life, I'm grateful for your grace in the lives of all my friends here. Lord, for all the children that we have in Kids Fest here and in the block today, I'm grateful for your grace for all of them, Lord. It's that grace and it's your kindness that draws us into you. And so thank you for all those things. Lord, as we open up your, <clears throat> open up your book today, tell us your story. Tell us how we fit into it. Uh, we open up our heart to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, I hear you're going on a little journey to the big city. Yep. Uh, kind of nervous. <laughs> Leon says New York is pretty different. Oh, don't pay attention to Leon. He's never been anywhere. He doesn't have any feet. I've been to New York thousands of times. Really? Mm -hmm. What's it like? Well, there are some things you should know. First off, you see gum on the street, leave it there. It's not free candy. Oh. Second, there are like 30 raised pizzas. They all claim to be the original, but the real one's on 11. And if you see a sign that says peep show, that doesn't mean that they're letting you look at presents before Christmas. Can't wait to see my dad. We're, we're gonna go ice skating and, and eat sugar plums. Yeah, that's the other thing I wanted to talk to you about. You know, buddy, your father, well, he's on the naughty list. Poor Walter Hobbs. It's on the naughty list. You ever been on the naughty list? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I didn't think you like, hey, let's, how many of you been on the naughty list? Hmm. Do you go on the naughty list for not acknowledging that you're on the naughty list? <laughs> Maybe. I don't, I don't know how that goes. Uh, what did you do to get on the naughty list? What have you done? I don't, know, it's, I don't know how the naughty list goes, and I don't know how Santa does his list. I don't know if you know that there was a naughty list before Santa had a naughty list. Did you know this? Yeah, did you know there's a naughty list in the Bible? Did you know this? Have you read it? Did you know that Jesus had his own naughty list? Hmm? Bet no one's ever told you about it before. I want to I see that today, and I want to see how to stay off of it, okay? So if you have your Bible with you, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 23, and we're going to read a little bit of Jesus' naughty list together. And then uh, if, you don't have your, if you don't have a paper copy of the scripture, but you've got your smartphone, you can open up the YouVersion Bible app. We'll put some description of how to get there up on the screen so you can follow along with that if you'd like to. You're welcome just to listen if you'd like to. That's fine. Uh, but let me read for us uh, Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 1. 
Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. And here's the beginning of the naughty list that Jesus wants us to know about. He, he says to the, his friends, his disciples, and he says to a crowd of people, he goes, watch out for the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. They're on the naughty list. Yeah, because uh, they don't practice what they preach. Like they say, do this, do this, do this. And Jesus goes, you ought to do what they say to do. He goes, but you ought, but you ought not to be like them because they don't practice what they preach. He says, they never help others. They, they make all these rules and they make these burdens. They put them on people's shoulders, but they don't even offer to lift them up there. They don't even offer to help. They should have learned that in kindergarten, that you should help people around you. He says, everything they do is for show. So they're on the naughty list. And then the list gets naughtier. If you go down to verse 13, here's how that begins. Jesus says, woe to you. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves don't enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. and When you've succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Shall I go on? There's seven. There's seven woes on this list. So woe in Greek means naughty. Or something close to that. It's like, hey, you're, you know, you're in trouble. You kind of know what the word woe is. There's seven statements where he goes, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. Now, I planned this series that we're in uh, back in the summer sometime, but I forgot to realize that the day we're going to do this one, we're going to do Jesus Naughty List, is the day we're having children up on the stage doing all this cute stuff. <laughs> and I'm going to give you the woe, 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 woe to you. There's seven of them. So I'm going to let you read the rest of the Naughty List on your own. But here's... Here's where it starts. We're doing this thing. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so here's Jesus, and he talks to the, uh, to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. He says, you're hypocrites. He says, you shut the door of the kingdom in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter. And I think when they, when they heard that, they're, they're shocked. They're like, what do you mean we don't enter? We're in. We're big time in. If anybody's in, it's us. We're in. He goes, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, and you're not in, and you don't let anybody else in. He goes, boom, woe to you. You're on the naughty list. I'll give you some of the things that he describes on the naughty list as he describes it uh, going on through that whole list. He says, you shut the door of the kingdom in people's faces. You make converts religiously, and then you make them fit for nothing but hell. He says, you make promises with elaborate loopholes so you can cleverly break your own promises. You tithe on the minor, but you abandon the major. You clean the outside, but leave the inside dirty. You strain a gnat, but swallow a camel. He says, you are snakes and vipers. Welcome to church. Wow. That's a pretty rugged list of things that he has to say to them. And it's interesting because he, he says it to two groups of people. He says it, one, to the people that are called teachers of the law. Now, some of the, some of the older translations called them scribes. That's really what they were. They, were. they were copiers of the scripture. 
So they had this high view of the Bible, and they're like, we're going we're gonna tra- to uh, t- make multiple copies of the scriptures. They didn't have fax machines or Xerox machines or computers. They couldn't multiply it electronically or digitally, so they had to do it digitally, like by hand, right? And so they'd have one copy of the scripture, and they had such a high view of the scripture that they would take one sentence, and they would take it from there, and they would write it letter for letter in this other page. And then they would go back, and they would count how many letters were in that sentence, and they would count the sentence they just wrote, and they'd make sure they had the same number of letters so they didn't mess up the scriptures. They had this huge high view of the Bible. But Jesus said, you're on the naughty list. I'm like, oh, that makes me uncomfortable because I have a high view of the scriptures. I love the Bible. But loving the Bible doesn't mean you're not on the naughty list. He goes, that's where the scribes ended up. And then he says, and, the, and then there's this other group. They were the Pharisees. They were the experts at being right. You ever known anybody who was an expert at being right? You ever been somebody who was an expert at being right? You know, and everyone knows who you are. Or, or, Excuse me, everyone knows who I am. Like, we're experts at being right, and we're part of a group of people. We're, we're Jesus followers. and like, hey, we think we've got this dialed in, and we're not guessing. We believe these things. And we become sometimes experts at being right, and we make sure that everybody else knows that we're experts at being right. And because we're experts at being right, we know when they're doing it wrong. And we become like the Pharisees. And he said, you, you Pharisees, you wrote all these rules for other people to follow, but you don't even help them figure out how to manage those burdens. He goes, you're on the naughty list. And when you find yourself on the naughty list, it's, fine, it's time to find a new list, right? When I look at these people that are on this list, I'm like, well, you know, who are they exactly? Okay, they have a high regard for the Bible and they, and they, they love to be right. They're experts at being right or making people think they're right. And who, who are those people? They're not always the people that you would expect to end up on the naughty list. The people that are on the list are the religious people. The religious people are the ones on the naughty list. Okay, so let's stop. Who are the religious people? Let's start, with, let's start with them. Let's start with those guys. Who were the religious people 2,000 years ago? Pharisees and the Sadducees. Oh, good. We haven't even talked about those guys. And the scribes. They're the ones who Jesus is talking about. So 2,000 years ago, they're the religious ones. Today, who are the religious ones? <laughs> me. Who's me? That's not right. No, that's... That's right. We're the religious ones, right? And some of you, you you got this little thing you do. You're like, well, I'm not religious. I just love Jesus. You know, if it's related to God and you're like related to God that way, you're religious. By definition, that's what it's about. You You don't have to maybe follow all the religious stuff, but if you're in church... You're sort of religious, you know? Some of you are here religiously, in fact. And so that's us, right? And we get in trouble because we end up being just like the scribes and just like the Pharisees. We've been talking about 
uh, this series called Creed and Kingdom, and we've spent a lot of time, or we spent some time talking about the various ancient creeds that Christians believe, and we've talked about the uh, the Apostles' Creed, we've said that together, we've talked about the Nicene Creed, we've talked about the uh, Chalcedonian Creed, and you don't have to remember those names of things, we're not going to become a creed-reciting church all of a sudden, but we found out in the course of this series that those creeds have shaped how we read the Bible. They shape the things that we believe, and, th- and that's good, those are good things. But we're also talking about the the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ. And it's what he talked about over and over and over and over. And yet we tend, because we've been influenced by the creeds, we tend to skip right over that part. And we pay no attention to the kingdom, which is how does God want to live among us and through us in in this life now? It matters to him. And it's called the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. We've talked about these various statements of faith and how they've shaped us, but we haven't got to our own statement of faith here at Lakeside yet. Do you know we have a statement of faith? If you go on our website, you can find our statement of faith. Really what it is, it's, 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 it's the Lakeside Creed. You won't find it that way. If you, if you search creed on our website, you probably won't find it. But if you, if you, if you look for the, like, what do we believe page or the doctrinal statement page, you'll find it in there. And I thought, we should, I should just read it for you so you know what we believe together as a church. Here's, here's the Lakeside Creed. See if any of it sounds familiar. We believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible word of God. It reveals God himself and his will for humanity. We believe that here. We believe in one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect and eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call that Trinity. Does that sound familiar? It's the creed. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is true God and true man. Stop. We got that one right straight out of the Chalcedonian Creed. He's true God and true man. Like, hey, they've been believing that for 1,500 years. And that statement, we, like, we still believe that. That's awesome. And then, and then this, we believe he was born of a virgin, died on a cross for the sins. Wait a second. Do you remember how the Apostles' Creed, we talked about it. The Apostles' Creed went from born of the Virgin Mary to suffered under Pontius Pilate. Like skipped over the whole life of Jesus. We did the exact same thing when we wrote our doctrinal statement 25 years ago or whatever. We're right. We believe Jesus was born of a virgin, died on a cross for the sins of humanity, rose bodily from death, and ascended into heaven. And we believe his promise to return to earth for his disciples. We skipped right over his life. We skipped right over everything he said about the kingdom. In our own creed, we've been influenced. We believe the Holy Spirit convicts the world and indwells and empowers the believers in Christ. And we believe that all human beings have sinned and now have salvation available to them by God's grace through faith in Christ. That's our creed. That's what we believe. We believe a lot of other things too, but those are the things we go, that's the core. That's the central part of what we believe. And you know what that creed, one of the things that creed does? That creed defines us as something known in the world as evangelicals. Now, you may have only heard that word in, pol- in political connections, but it's not really a political word. It's been co-opted into politics, but it's not a political word. It's a word that means we hold a high regard of the Bible. We hold the Bible in high regard, just like the scribes did. 
and we love to and we love to do evangelism. We love to bring the gospel to others. We send missionaries around the world to bring people to Christ because we think that's so important, just like the Pharisees did. We do all the same things that the religious people in Jesus' day did, and then we think we'll escape the naughty list. But we certainly have to ask the question, are we on there? When you land on the naughty list, it's time to change lists. So in Matthew 23, Jesus gives a couple of things. He, he, in, as a, in the course of that statement, those seven woe statements, he tells us what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he tells us what the kingdom of heaven is not like. So let me give you that. If you were talking to Jesus and he, and he were to say, the kingdom of heaven is not about this, it would be these things. The kingdom of heaven is not about making it hard for people. Sometimes we put so many barriers in people's way and and hurdles that people have to jump or hoops that people have to go through that we end up making it hard for people who want to follow Jesus. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is not about making it hard for people. It's not about keeping people out. It's not about straining gnats. And what are the gnats that we strain out as followers of Jesus in this generation? It's not about a beautiful outside. It's not about acceptable sins versus unacceptable sins. It's not about flogging humans or crucifying humans. It's not about those things, he says. So then you go, what what is it about? What is the kingdom about? What does it look like? Jesus would say the kingdom of heaven is about good news. It's about gospel. Gospel was never about making it hard for people. Gospel was all about good news. Gospel is all about this idea that God loved the world. That's us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to live a life that was redemptive. And at the end, to give up that life for us so that we might be connected back to God. It's good news. Kingdom of heaven is about good news. The kingdom of heaven is about opening doors for people. The kingdom of heaven is about honesty and integrity and humility and serving. It's about justice and mercy and faithfulness and generosity and blessing. It's about a healthy inside, which affects the outside. It's about life and what is life-giving. That's the kingdom of heaven. When I come to that, I go, okay, those are, those are statements of truth. I get those things, but sometimes it helps me to have an illustration of it. Sometimes it helps me to have a story about it. Like, how did they live out the kingdom of heaven for themselves in the early church, in the early days? And so if you have your Bible open and you want to turn over to Acts 15, I want to invite you to do that. Acts 15 takes place about 15 years after Jesus' crucifixion, after his resurrection, after his ascension into heaven. And uh, I'll, let you, I'll let the scripture tell you the story of this. Acts 15, verse 1. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. You ever notice, whether it's in the church world or maybe in any part of the world that we inhabit, do you ever notice that there are always people around that are willing to say or that are eager to say, unless, 
They're like the unlessers. Unless you do this, you can't do the other thing. Unless you do that, you can't do something else. Unless, unless you do these things, you can't come into the kingdom of heaven. Unless you do these things, you can't be saved. You ever run into people like that? And they make the box pretty narrow for people to be able to get into the kingdom. There's always somebody that's willing to say, unless whatever the thing is. Here's some people 2,000 years ago, and they came to this town called Antioch, which was kind of the missionary hub of the ancient world where they would send missionaries out to the rest of the world. They came to Antioch and they said, you know, it's all good what you guys are doing and the whole story of grace and, faith, you know, coming to, faith, to Christ through faith by grace, all, that's all really good. But unless you get circumcised, you can't really be a Jesus follower. Now, you women, you're like, I don't care. Men, a little bit different story, right? I, I care, right? They go, unless, and what they're saying is, unless you become truly Jewish, you can't become a Jesus follower. You can't become a Christian. You can't be saved. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven unless you become truly Jewish, which is the whole religion that Christianity sprung from. They go, unless, unless that happens, you can't be saved. Verse two, this brought Paul and Barnabas, who were missionaries, bringing the gospel to other places. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. They decided to have a church council. Now, we've talked about councils in the course of this series, like the councils get together and they decide, now, what is it we believe? And they sort it all out and then they write a creed. But in this case, the very first church council, they got together in Jerusalem, and the goal wasn't to say, what do we believe? The goal was to say, how are we going to live this out? What are you going to do with these people that, that, that always say, unless, unless you become truly Jewish, you can't be truly Christian? What about that? And so they called together a council, and they listened to these church leaders, these Christian leaders, tell their stories. So... Acts 15, verse 12, we get to the council. It says, The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul, telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written, After this, I'll return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. And then he says this, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. They got this council together and they listened to Simon, whose other name was Peter. They listened to Peter tell the story of how he had been used by God to bring the gospel to the Gentiles for the very first time. And this whole household of people that were not Jewish put their faith in Christ and entered the kingdom of heaven. They all heard about it. They all watched it. They celebrated that. And then they listened at the council to Paul and Barnabas, and they're saying, when we traveled around through Turkey and through Greece and all these places, uh, we told people it was by faith through grace in Christ or grace through faith in Christ that you that you enter the kingdom of heaven. We saw all these people decide to follow Jesus, and it's been amazing. And they listened to that at the council. And then James, who happened to be the half-brother of Jesus, who was also the bishop of the church 
in Jerusalem, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, they all look to him for leadership and for decision-making and those kinds of things. Then James stands up and he says, hey, we've listened to all this together, and here's our decision. We should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are trying to believe God, who are deciding to believe God. And all those things that they had heard from the people that said, unless you're circumcised, you can't. He said, we're not, we're not doing it that way. We're not putting up more barriers. We're not putting up more unless signs. We're not putting more ifs up. We're not putting more restrictions on it. We're not going to make it hard for those who are turning to Jesus. Because every time we make it hard for someone to come to Jesus, we get on the naughty list. And when you find yourself on the naughty list, Jesus says, it's time to change lists. When you find that you're making it hard for somebody else, that you're putting barriers up for someone else to come to faith in Jesus, he goes, it's time to change lists. Here's our decision. We should not make it difficult for people who are turning to Jesus. That's the story of the gospel. That's the story of the kingdom of heaven. That's Jesus' heartbeat for his church and for this world. Jesus, I pray for us today for your grace to be seen through us. Lord, it's easy for us sometimes because we seem often to be wired like the Pharisees were wired. We, we want to do it right. We want to do it well. We're sometimes wired like the scribes were, were wired to, to care so much about the details of certain things where we, we make rules that don't exist. We make guardrails that don't exist. We make barriers that don't exist for people. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember, to know, and to remember that your kingdom is open to every person, just like it was open to us at the beginning of our journey with you. Lord, thanks for your great love for us. Lord, that maybe, maybe there's some among us who have been deciding to turn to you, and I pray that they would uh, fully embrace you, knowing, knowing that they will be fully embraced by you. Lord, would you do this through us and may your kingdom come through us and may your will be done through us right here in our church, right here in our community as it is done in heaven. Father, thank you for these things. We ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the message this week. If you are looking for ways to be generous this season, join us at Lakeside. We have lots of opportunities that we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks from serving others, caring for children, passing out coffee, joining a meal train to help feed other volunteers, or just getting involved in some way. You can sign up or see other opportunities on our website at lakesidechurch.com. Have a great week.